All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Today, we're talking education, and with me, I have a very special guest, Ryan Bishop. Ryan, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks, Michael. Um, Ryan is an education leader um, with 13 years experience working in Australian schools, in international schools. So as far as qualifications are concerned, um, he's literally the perfect person to talk to um, about today's topic, which is choosing a school for your children. So as a parent, I've got three children, um, our oldest is seven, and we're sort of, for the last six to 12 months, we've been starting to look at high schools for them. And even for, for the last 10 years, talking to clients, you know, looking at high schools and one of the biggest issues that we're coming up against, and I, I have seen over the years is how to choose the right school, you know, what to look for. So today I was hoping to discuss, I guess, things that parents should look out for, um, signs parents should probably really not ignore. Um, and I guess ways to do research and ways to sort of determine which school is the best for your children, because I guess it's impossible to find the best school, but um, I'm sure we could get as close as possible to finding the most suitable school for, you know, for, for our kids or, you know, um, to, to assist with the journey in some way. So if I've even said that correctly in any way, shape or form. So Ryan, if we could sort of start off just on your side, if, um, you know, as far as the different type of schools that are concerned, if you can sort of just explain what the different type of schools are, how they differ um, and what your take is on that side of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the best way to start thinking about types of schools is to remember that particularly in Queensland, um, in fact, across Australia, there's three main sectors that our schools fit into. And this is as true for primary as it is for secondary. So the yep. biggest provider of education in Australia is uh, state schools. So typically run by our state governments and funded federally. The second biggest sector would be Catholic schools, um, falling under the different Catholic dioceses that are broken up into regions around the country. Country. And finally, there's the independent school sector, which kind of encapsulates, you know, your grammar schools, um, your Anglican schools and the other faith and other independent schools that you may have seen in your communities. When you talk about types of schools as well, um, there's primary schools, there's secondary schools, and we're starting to see now two schools that go all the way from um, kindergarten or prep all the way up to year 12 as well. So that's what we'd call a, a prep to 12 context. So we have to remember that uniquely in Australia in particular, more of our children are independently educated than in nearly every country of the world. Um, it's somewhere between 30 and 40% of all Aussie kids go to schools which their parents pay fees to. So that's non-state schools. So when you start thinking about the type of school you'd like to send your child to, it's important to remember, you know, am I going Catholic? Am I going state? Or am I going independent? Yeah. And and on the point of independent, like there's, I've seen state schools that are also independent as well. And that sort of confuses me because I sort of don't understand if they're using the same term, like if it's in the same context as independent that you're using. Um, is there a difference between state schools or is, is it all so, sort of the same when it comes to being government funded as government funded? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And it's a question that certainly needs clarifying. So um, independent 
public schools or independent state schools um, have since been ceased. Some of those did exist in Queensland and they were still 100% state funded, but they just were managed and governed differently in Queensland. But if you see the word state school in the title, um, whether it's got the word independent in front of it, it's still 100% state funded um, and that's a non-fee paying school. Now, typically in state schools, parents would still be expected to pay things like, you know, uniform charges and sport levies and book levies and things like that. Um, but it's considerably less expensive than going to what we'd call a true independent school, which is where the fee is wholly paid by the parent. Um, and interestingly, in Australia too, we've got a really broad range of fee structures when it comes to independent schools. Some have you know, reasonably attainable low fees, depending on how else they're sourcing their funding, all the way up to the elite private schools where you can see um, school fees running in excess of $20,000 per student per year. Okay. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And um, and as far as private and state schools are concerned, um, how do they compare? Like what's uh, apart from the fact that, you know, a private school, the parent pays for essentially everything and the state schools, the parent pays barely anything. Apart from that, what, what would you say the they compare as far as performance is concerned, um, experience? Um, and again, I know this will obviously vary depending on the school and the area, but what would you say the main differences between the two would be? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the important question. You know, why is it that thirty five to forty percent of Queensland students, you know, pay for schooling effectively? All their families yeah. pay for schooling. You know, what are you getting for that fee? I can't really comment on in terms of the quality of education in those in those different institutions. But what I can say is that when you start thinking about what schooling is for, try to remember that it's for three different purposes. It's about academics, so how well the student does in their subjects. It's about the student's personal development, which is, you know, their personal and emotional maturation, then becoming young adults and so on. And finally, their social development, which is about how well they work with others, negotiate, um, you know, contribute to teams and things like that. So when you start looking at schools, try to ask the question, what is their main focus? For instance, if you've got a, a private school that is solely academically focused, Um, you can go and have a look at how they perform academically. And if that's something that you want for your child, then perhaps something that you, that's a school that might be appropriate for you. But if it's about, you know, the culture of a school that's more focused on the uh, social and personal development of students, because that's something that you know your student desperately needs or something that you value in your family, um, then you can start looking for those types of things in schools too. One thing I will say is that Um, And this is probably the first piece of information that I think parents may not be aware of is that all schools um, publish their annual reports via their websites. And those annual reports will include not just the academic data, so how well they do on things like NAPLAN and um, university entrance and job pathways, but they'll also publish opinions that they've elicited from surveys with kids and surveys with their families. And particularly in state schools, those things are done on an annual basis and they're public facing documents. So any parent can go to any school website and go and seek that information for themselves. But yeah, that's what I'd encourage parents to do. Think about yeah. not just the academic, but the personal and social development of your child as well. Yeah, interesting. So in, in essentially that information, uh, so in, in a way, can a school hide something if there's something that is bad in that report or is it that does it have to be 100% transparency? Oh, that's a good question. So in government-run state schools, it's actually administered um, through the State Department, uh, the Department of Education, rather than through the school itself. So parents okay. have direct access to that and the schools are required to publish that um, when those results are made available. 
available. So um, that's a departmental requirement and that's public knowledge as well. So I can confidently say that that information is available. Um, there is one central place where parents can go and find information on any school in Queensland, um, and that's the My School website. You can yep. go in there, you can search state, you can search independent, primary, secondary, or combined, you know, those prep to 12 schools. Um, and you can go and have a look at some of that information that's been pulled together by the My School website for you. And that's a um, state funded website as well. Okay. Okay. That, that helps a lot. And and on that side of things as well, as far as choosing, you know, state private school, just from personal experience from talking to over the years, and even to this day, a lot of my clients are actually teachers. And it's interesting how there is that perception to somebody that isn't a teacher, for example, and doesn't work in schools, there's a perception that private schools are always best because you pay for them, you know, um, compared to something that doesn't, that you don't have to pay for. However, you know, when you start, when I start talking to teachers or when I've spoken to them over the years, it's sort of a little bit different to the point where I actually hear it from teachers themselves that some would actually prefer to take their children to a state school and spend that extra money or spend the money that they're saving on extracurricular activities or a private tutor, um, you know, or to save up for that, for the child's first house, et cetera. So it's, um, as far as your experience, and I guess from what you're in a way, from what you're allowed to say on, on this side of things or what you're comfortable talking about, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, I, I would say that the fact that a private school is better than a state school just because you pay for it is complete nonsense. And I'm assuming you'd agree with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to remember as well that the state government funds schools per child, you know, and what the state government pays for your child to be educated, you know, may actually be greater than in the, the fees that you pay a independent school anyway. That's so so in, term, in terms of That's value so for money, I think you need to ask yourself, well, what is it that I value? And I'll give you an example. This is a real story. You've got an executive couple that um, have an income that is certainly in the range of achieving elite private school fee status, but elected to send their children to a state school. Why? Because they wanted to spend that extra money on annual international trips with their children because they valued international travel and the learning that would come with exposing their kids to different cultures, different languages and different foods. So, you know, that's a family that can clearly articulate the value they have in learning, the type of learning they want their kids to have. And and they've, you know, responded with their finances accordingly. Um, Similarly, you know, with the, there's kind of a, a middle ground too, where in Brisbane, you've also got selective entry state schools where you can do an academic test or you can test into one of their sporting teams and um, you can enter these independent, uh, these independent state schools, as they used to be called, um, through performance, if you like. Now, that mm. said, thinking about the culture of some of those schools as well, you have to ask yourself, is that the best thing for my, for my child? Do I want my child to go to a school... Um, where there are going to be high expectations on academic performance, they're going to be with um, students that are highly ambitious, you know, or is it that they want to go to a smaller school with a, a more community feel that has more of the personal and social development of the child in mind? The challenge for parents mm. is to go to a school and know whether it's a good fit for their student. Not every school is a great fit. Um, yep. And that's, I, th- I suppose, the, the whole purpose of our conversation today, Michael. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Because I went to a state school um, and I'd like to assume I turned out okay. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. I think probably as parents, if you can afford to take your children to a private school, sometimes there may be that guilt of thinking, oh, look, you know, if we can afford private 
why don't we just put our children in private? Um, but based on what you're saying, it's it's more to do with just doing research and finding out what school is appropriate for your child. Because over the years as well, I'll, I'll hear of schools where the one of their strengths, for example, could be sport. You know, I've, I've heard of some parents taking their children to a particular state school because that school is really focused on a particular sport that their child's interested in as well. Would you say that would be the case? Is, is it like is that common or is that? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely common. Um, yeah, okay. you'll, you'll notice that there's sports excellence programs in in both private and state schools. Um, yep. So much so that you'll you know you'll see sort of professional sporting teams aligning themselves with with schools and so on. Um, and that's really quite common, particularly in southeast Queensland as well. Yep, um, yep. But again, you know, it, it's about whether or not that pathway is appropriate for your for your child. If they've if they're going to be performing at an elite level in that sport, and that's something that they're passionate about and they want to pursue, then by all means, you know, go and explore those avenues for sure. Um, yep. I think there's also value in asking yourself the question: Is the best school for my student the one that's closest? You know, if mm. we, if we have a look at school contexts outside of Australia. The majority of, of countries that, that do fund state education, which is nearly all of them, prescribe to the idea that the best school is the one that's nearest to our house, you know, and if school is provided to us, then, you know, that's something you can ask yourself as well. Um, I have some experience in, in selective entry schools where, you know, parents would be driving their children an hour a day to and from school um, so they can go to the school that they believe is best for their for their child. Um, and that may be the case, but you also have to ask yourself, is it worth the additional 10 hours of week in, uh, a week in the car um, if there might be a, a closer option that, you know, a child that is loved, that is taught to read, that is supported in the home, in a home that values education is going to do well anyway, you know? That's so true. That's so true because that, that 10 hours a week, if it was cut down to, for example, two hours a week, that's literally eight hours a week that could potentially be put towards spending time with your child, you know, or um, teaching them a musical instrument or, you know, getting them that extra support that they need. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's so true because over the years I've I've had some clients that, you know, would really literally do that, that they would sometimes drive an hour to school. Um, so they'd spend an hour of driving back and forth to school, if, if not more sometimes. And the opportunity cost needs to be taken into account. It's like, okay, that time saved drawing, could it be put better use towards something else? Like, you know, giving your child attention, especially for busy parents, because a lot of parents are busy enough as it is. So just getting that extra five hours a week with them and, you know, giving them that extra five hours a week to spend with their child um, can be invaluable from an emotional and an education perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's a significant body of research um, that suggests that one of the best determinants for academic and, and educational success for children is the, you know, the value parents put in education. It turns out that, you know, a child that is taught to read and, and is loved and is supported in their homework and has, a, has parents that genuinely take interest in their learning um, that's actually of greater value than the school that they attend. And it, it's to say that a loved child that has that support will more or less do well anywhere. And I think that's important to factor in, particularly when, as you said there, Michael, you know, you go and find that extra commuting time and put it toward either, you know, rest, relaxation, extracurricular activity or further academic support for the child in the form of tutoring or what have you. But, you know, that can add as much value as, as potentially sending them you know, an hour on the train every day to whichever school yep. it is in the city they might like to go to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, you've already touched on some of these points, but what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that can be made when looking for a school? 
I think judging a school solely on reputation as heard by, say, other parents, I think sometimes a deeper exploration of the school is is really, really important. Um, yep. And my experience with that is you find some students who go to specific schools um, realize quite early on that it's not the right fit. And then you have to go through the experience of withdrawing the student and finding something more appropriate for them later down the track. You, you're never going to know for sure if it's the right fit, but you can get a pretty, pretty good impression. Um, like I said, you can go and read all of those sort of review summaries or review reports on school websites, you can have a look at the My School website as well to have a look at how schools compare. Um, but also remember that the vast majority of schools, particularly private schools, will have open days. And mm. I would impress upon any parent to get to those open days and start having conversations with the people that are responsible for the learning of your child. Yep. See if you can meet the principal and ask them about what they value about education. Have a conversation with, you know, different teachers and ask them about, you know, what type of learning there is. What support do they have outside of the classroom? You know, how do they take care of the students' social and, and personal development as well as their academic development? Um, because a good school will be able to answer those questions for any parent for sure. Yeah, that, that's true. Because you mentioned that the other day when, when we briefly spoke, you know, talking to the principal, because that's something I've, I've never thought of doing. Because when you go to an open day, I've always pictured open days as one of those days where it's, you know, like you see them in movies sometimes, where like, you know, like a terrible school, but when there's an open day, suddenly, you know, parent, you know the principal's shining their shoes and putting on their best face type of thing, you know? So, and obviously, like, you know, when I say movies, I'm talking comedy movies, I can't, none of them come to mind at the moment, but in real life, same thing. Like I've always just assumed going to an open day, you know, the school just puts on their best face and they're sort of going to tell you what you want to hear. But Talking to the principal and like what you just said, having the, these discussions with teachers and, and education leaders in the schools, I guess that's in a way that's invaluable because these days we're, we're pretty, like most of us are pretty aware when somebody's telling you the truth or when they're being genuine or when they're not. And I guess what type of questions can you ask a principal or an education leader or, or what type of responses should we as a parent look out for? Yeah, I think, that, discussions? I think that's a really good question. You know, what, what are the questions? I think academically, you can go and have a look at, at, at some of those reports in the My School website and see how students at schools perform. Rather, I think I think going and have a looking at that stuff is simple. But I think when it comes to particularly the personal development of the student, um, asking you know how do you take care of student well being? Um, who's going to who's going to look out for my student or my child um, each day? You know, do they have a form tutor? Um, how do you how do you build friendships in the school? You know. Do, you know, how do you keep an eye on students and how they're feeling each day? Things yeah. like that, you know, what value does the school put on, you know, actually monitoring the well-being of kids so that they can stay ahead of things like stress and anxiety and feelings of being overwhelmed by whether it be workload or social situations that might be happening in the playground. But yeah, just things like that, you know, what is it you do about well-being? How do you look after the kids in this school? And try to get, try to get an impression as to whether or not that's something the school really values because, um, I think that's such an important question to ask because schooling, as I said before, is not always just about grades. In fact, I, I believe personally it's it's about considerably more than just grades, as I'm sure many parents would agree. Yeah, that's so true. That sort of reminds me of a journey when somebody's looking for like a, a financial advisor or any type of professional, you know, like having certificates and having letters after their name is one thing, but when you actually meet the person, you sort of get an idea as to what, you know, that person's point of difference is and how, if, how that person's going to benefit you. So I guess a school is, is exactly the same way. Like looking at grades is one thing, but having those discussions and figuring out if it's a right fit or not is another. 
that, yeah, you, you sort of, when you were explaining that, it sort of just made me think of that journey that somebody would go through when looking for something like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, trust your gut as well, you know, you, by yeah. the time, by the time a child, particularly, you know, in the case that you're talking about, Michael, in terms of secondary school, isn't it for you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, thinking about secondary school, you know, your children, you know, their primary school journey, you know, the experiences they had. And by the time you get to that secondary school choice, you as a parent has have had six years of formal schooling to learn what works and what doesn't when it comes to your child. So I think remembering that and going, hey, this really worked in our primary school. I wonder if we might be able to find that in our secondary school. Um, like yeah. think think about, for instance, how the, your your son or daughter starts their day. What does the teacher do? What's, what systems does the school have? You know, For example, most secondary schools will have a form tutor. How many kids mm. are in the form class? Do they meet them first thing in the morning or is form period halfway through the day? What do they do in that time? You know, how do they use that time to look out for the kids and really check in to see that they're okay, um, so that they can monitor their well-being and their personal development? That's the kind of stuff that you probably want to start exploring in open days when you have an opportunity to start to, to members of a school community. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can answer this question, um, or if you feel comfortable answering this question. But what are some red flags to look out for? Because you mentioned trusting your gut. Are there any red flags or things that a parent should, you know, that a parent should be probably aware of if they see anything at a particular school? Because I guess <clears throat> reputation is one thing, um, talking to other parents. But again, like there are some schools, which I know for a fact are good schools, but I'll be talking to somebody and they say, oh, I heard that was a bad school because, you know, oh, there was this happened and that happened. And apparently this student did that or, you know, like you hear all these different things and, I guess, are, are there any red flags or things that parents should see and just not ignore when it comes to looking at schools? I mean, I, I don't think so. When it, you know, in terms of a single red flag, I, I suppose it's like anything. When you learn about something once, see if you can get it corroborated somewhere else. You know, if you hear of a story or you hear of a reputation, go and see if you can test that somewhere else rather than, you know, through word of mouth or through um, the media or through Facebook, actually go to the school and actually, you know, try to hear their story and see what they're doing. You know, there are, yep. there are so many stories and situations where an incident may have happened in a truly great school that was simply that. It was just an incident. And remembering too that schools are very complex places. There's lots of human yep. beings um, and a lot happens on a daily basis. So all I would encourage parents to do is go and build your own understanding rather than relying on hearsay and um, rumors of reputation or incidents that you might get through other means, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely does. Definitely. And um, one last question that I wanted to ask you, um, and this is probably the financial planner in me coming out, but when it comes to school fees, you know, paying for fees, because again, a lot of parents, even if they've had their children in a private school in primary, um, and again, you know, today is focused not just on high school, but in this context, especially, the fees can jump up quite significantly or if a child or if a parent's never had a school, a child in school at all, and they go from kindergarten to prep and grade one, et cetera. Um, sometimes parents don't know what fees to expect because there are some private schools that I've personally looked at where the fee is a quarter of another, you know? So uh, how can families learn about, you know, the different fees that they can expect to pay at different schools? And I guess I know you can't really, you probably can't give us a figure as well because I'm sure it ranges, you know, and the spectrum is so wide when it comes to 
the different fees that schools can charge. You're absolutely right. The range is the range is incredible. It's actually quite staggering the the contrast in different fees that just within the independent sector schools will charge. Um, I can't really speak to the numbers that might be involved, but I can guarantee you that any school that is in the independent sector that requires parents to pay a fee for their child to attend um, will have admissions teams and enrollment teams who are solely there to answer that very question for them. Um, and so I would encourage any parent, if they're concerned about enrollment processes, enrollment fees, um, you know, entry requirements, anything like that, is to contact the school directly. First of all, have a look on their website because typically there'll be a tr- level of transparency there where they can go and see anything. Um, and that's as yes. true for that's as true for state schools as it is independent schools. But yeah, contact the school directly because I have to remember too um, that we're talking about large organisations here with whole teams of people that are responsible for. Um, getting new students onboarded effectively. And if a parent's exploring an independent school or even a state school as a future option, um, they can go and ask these questions and get firm answers on them without even having to commit to an enrollment. There's, you know, you, you need to be upfront about this because we're not talking about small amounts of money and we're not talking about um, small periods of time. You know, we're talking about sort of five to six years of a child's life, sometimes 12 years of a child's life, depending if you're going to an independent school right from the off, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and and finally, um, just to clarify and just to remind everyone to get more information um, about schools, um, myschool.edu.au, would that, would that would you say that would be the best website or the best source of education and the best place to start? It's a source. It's got all of the information that schools are required to collect um, and that's made publicly available and also just going to individual school websites um, to go and have a look at some of that annual report. Typically, a school website will have a forms and documents section somewhere, and somewhere in there will be the annual school reports, which are publicly available to everyone. Yeah, nice, nice. And um, thank you so much for your time um, today. Like, I've, that's so much information um, within you know such a small time frame. But it's the purpose of a podcast so people can listen to it more than once. So I've, I'm sure anyone listening has gotten a lot out of this chat. So again, I want to thank you so much for your time again, Ryan. Um, and finally, uh, with all our episodes, we're finishing it off with a dad joke because it wouldn't be my podcast without a dad joke. What did the grape say when the elephant stood on it? What's that? Nothing. It just let out a little wine. <laughs> yeah, your dad. So That's good. I don't, I don't think, you know, it's a dad joke, but it's just bad. So it's all good. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time again. Um, appreciate it so much, Ryan. No problem at all. Take care. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.